0: Welcome to New Game Netcast, the official podcast of newgamenetwork.com. This is episode 13 for Sunday, September 30th, 2012. Today on the show, we're talking about Terra Online server merges, FIFA 13 soundtrack, Vita 3G in Canada, Guild Wars 2 sales, and the Pure Ownage movie. We'll recap our reviews of Guild Wars 2, Tekken Tag Tournament 2, NHL 13, Borderlands 2, and Trist. In news around the industry, we've got Steam Greenlight fees, Ubisoft PC DRM, Wii U prices and release date, a new PS3 model, Bioware founders retiring, StarCraft 2 might be going free to play, and Dishonored. In our extras section, we'll talk about Tropes and Video Games project, new Kickstarter guidelines, our two past contests, and upcoming Sony coverage.
1: A dog, maybe. Just <laughs> <She's> one. <laughs> that's gonna be. That's gonna be how we're gonna lead off the episode of me completely getting distracted.
2: Can we interview the dog? Does it have anything salient to say
1: about any of the points we've made? Uh,
2: it will squeal
1: and whine. Uh, pretty much largely about anything that we talk about. What kind of dog is it? Most people. Uh, mm-hmm. sh- it's a what? Shiba Inu, a little uh, Japanese dog. Oh. Ah. If there was one
3: game... Okay, question for next time. If there was one game that dogs would love to play, what would
2: it be? Actually, we, we, we can probably go for that question this time, because mine wasn't that inspired.
3: Oh, no, I like gamer handles, so those are uh, always good stories behind us. Be yeah, we can talk about
2: that for a bit. Alright, okay. Hello and welcome to what we're calling the second season of New Game Netcast. Pete here, and I'll be on the shindig. Today we're joined by Alex. Hello. Tim. Yes. Evan. Pwnage. And Nick. <laughs> hey. So, what's been going on with everyone during our little hiatus? What have you been up to? Drinking. Drinking. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I'm, absolutely
2: I'm right. <laughs> I have a uh,
1: three philosophers here. It is 9.8% alcohol by volume, so you can listen <laughs> to me rapidly deteriorate in... Uh, understandability over the course of this podcast nice.
4: great
3: scott. scott i've uh well not all of us been throwing our life down the drain of alcohol consumption whoa i for one uh, have been training for a marathon so take yep. that
2: wow how many marathon
3: 24 uh 26.2 it's funny you should mention that, Peter, because it used to be 24 until it went to England, and in oh. order to make it past Buckingham Palace, they extended it to 26.2. So I, w-
2: I want to see you sweat. I hope I hope you're happy. So have you been on a strict diet, Evan? Have you been getting?
3: Uh, I have actually I've been on a, strict, a very strict diet. I ran. I, I got about 18 miles last weekend. Yes. I run a marathon in a month. So wish me luck.
2: And any particular reason for doing it, or you just thought it's one of those things you wanted to pursue?
3: Uh, one of those things I always wanted to do in life. It would probably be the only marathon I run. But I was also really, really overweight last year. I've lost 65 pounds in the past oh, year. Oh, really? uh, right. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. Those cool, you know, those nice, thin night elf pictures you've seen of me. <laughs> yeah,
2: from yeah, on. yeah. I yes. see a very <laughs> fat <laughs> night elf. A very alive, man. <laughs> yeah. that's, why,
0: that's why you did it, so you could take those pictures. I that's see. why, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
4: yeah. We're, we're,
0: we're, will there be
2: a swimsuit calendar? Where. Uh, Looking forward to in the near future,
3: Peter. Especially with all your other uh, requests, Peter. I will send you after pictures when we're all finished. Let's uh,
1: Kickstarter it.
2: Yeah, let <laughs> fun this thing. Give me money, and I will send you pictures of. I was <laughs> saying, a hundred grand is a nice floor for that calendar. If we want to get it just right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Sounds profitable. Yeah, and um, well, I'd say now I've just what did I play? Oh, I was playing Tech and Tag 2. I'm interested to hear other people's thoughts on that I think Nick reviewed it I did indeed yep. yeah I'll be first review listen to that and uh, yeah because I've been getting into that I got a Warriors Orochi 3 that I know people are kind of marmite with that some people love it and some people hate it
1: is that like from the Dynasty Warriors kind of school of games
2: yeah it's a Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Samurai Warriors uh, kind of crossover uh, okay but I just love mindlessly hacking things for several hours. I my I have been, my thumb's been hurting because I've been hammering that square button so much. But that's I have square square triangle. Exactly. You got to charge him first. Get him dizzy. Knock him into the air. Then you tag out. Obviously, throw a musu in there, and uh, I think you're good to go. Stage complete. Seven minutes.
0: That's a true esports yeah. problem. Your thumb hurts from hitting the button too much. You're a real athlete.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, what I need is um, the PlayStation glove that I used to have. I need to dust that off and get it to work with my PS3. I think that that's when I crossed the threshold from just casual scum gamer into pro champion gamer with that. How, how does a glove help though? I, that doesn't make any sense to me. But the it thing, just helps, okay? But, <laughs> it's a power glove. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, when I bought the it's battery glo- powered. No, no I, I was it plugs in. I was must have been twelve at the time. It plugs in. And uh, <laughs> I, I I bought Tekken, and I was thinking, oh man, I in my head I imagine that this glove was somehow motion-sensible, um, motion motion-sensible, motion-sensitive, and that when, when I moved and when I punched, this thing would recognize it. So I was like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to pull off all these moves. So I plug it in, and it's basically, I can use my fingers for different buttons. And that was it. It was one of... I I, I hit a slump that day. And I, I don't think I've ever quite recovered from it. You're talking about the power glove? Like the original Nintendo? Yeah, yeah uh, No, There, there was a, a PlayStation 2 version. Oh, oh, sorry, wow. sorry. PlayStation One version, sorry. And it Why? was what well, exactly? F- it was must have been fifty quid, and I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> and for like,
0: non-British people, how much is that in real money?
2: How much is fifty quid? <laughs> um, it's about I don't know, say sixty something dollars, perhaps yeah. encroaching on seventy.
3: The pound has got to be stronger than that these days, but
2: it is. I think it's one point perhaps 2 or 1.4 to the American dollar. I know it's 1.1 something or 1.2 something for the Canadian dollar because, you know, of all my dealings and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah,
3: you just watch out. Come November, we're going to kick a ball, <laughs> out and then the dollar's going to be so strong. Yeah. I'll
2: be buying yeah. <laughs> the almighty dollar. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, that's when my dream, that's when I wasn't um, a boy anymore. I crossed over into Manhood. Wow. Trial by fire. That was my bar mitzvah. Wow.
3: It's so funny you should mention that because I kind of had the reverse experience the past month while oh, we've yeah. been on hiatus. I bumped into two games that turned me into a little boy again. Uh, Aww. One was Faster Than Light, which if oh. you haven't played, you might just. Uh, and the other was I didn't play it, but never in my life have I seen, have I actually gotten around to seeing the gameplay of Phoenix Wright, Ace of <laughs> And I stumbled on the YouTube videos and I could not tear my eyes away. It was just incredible. Uh, as a shame as I am to
2: admit. We know what to get Evan for Christmas then.
4: That's right.
2: Secret Santa. going yeah. a DS2. Alright then. So I guess everyone's had a, a rather interesting little two weeks hiatus. So shall we uh, crack on to actual news then? Let's do it. I guess so. And for the top news on the site, uh, Terra Online server merges planned, uh, Deadmas, and more on the FIFA 13 soundtrack. We've got the Vita 3G coming to Canada. Guild Wars 2 sales have reached 2 million units sold. And Pure Pornage movie is in the works. So to the first, Terra Online.
0: Uh, this is kind of in the same line um, as we talked about with Guild Wars 2 getting <clears throat> so much popularity recently.
3: People, do you think the two are connected? As in, people might be leaving other uh, oh, other sure. online they're, games in order to enter the sure. world of Guild Wars Two. Yeah, they're
0: probably checking it out. And I mean, uh, they went from something like uh, twenty to down six servers or something. So it's pretty big. It Eleven to three, I thought. Oh, okay, three. Yeah. See, I don't even read my own news. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I mean, but that's the thing with these games. It's you have there's always these guilds that go from game to game to game, and you know when they're all every single game is you know the same sort of kind of fantasy high fantasy kind of aspect to it. It's they're just going to move from one to the next to the next to the next as each one comes out. You know, it's the natural right. progression. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a lot of people game. were waiting for Guild Wars too, so I guess a lot of people were uh, waiting for it to come out before they jumped off their uh, their old mainstay MMO of choice.
3: No, to uh, Guild Wars 2 credit, though, from what I've heard, I, I still haven't played it yet, I really need to, but from what I've heard, it, it earns the, maybe not all the hype, but uh, it's actually pulling people pulling people away. You know, it's If it's not amazing, it's at least maybe a step or two above whatever they're playing right now.
0: And as a segue to Guild Wars 2 selling 2 million units, it's a perfect segue, right?
1: <laughs> normally <Anyway, laughs> we no, no, uh, when, uh, when you segue, you have to segue into something.
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, we're segueing
0: to the fact that Guild Wars 2 reached two million units um, here in less than a um, month, I guess, but that's including pre-orders
2: as well. So there it's, was there was there has been a lot of hype for it. I remember. I'm mean, I'm not much of a fan hearing about it. But it seems like a couple of years ago now, and when they first uh, debuted it.
0: Yeah, I mean that was way in 2008 they first announced it. So it's been
3: a long time, four years. But still it not still not quite enough to make a dent, I suppose, in World of Warcraft. But what well, can there? I think Guild Wars will be a solid second place.
2: I've well, heard good things about it. I've heard that it's markedly different from WoW, and I've heard that's a good thing. But I haven't yeah. played it for now.
1: They, I think yeah, they say they say that it, uh, it it's pretty good about um, uh, getting in if you want to do an activity or something like that. It doesn't you don't have to go through all of the uh, the hoops about um, Joining up with parties and who's at a different level. You can just be roaming through the area. You see some guys fighting a giant monster. You jump in. Everyone kills it. Everyone gets items. Everyone gets experience, and you just go on your merry way. You know, it sounds kind of nice. We'd, yeah, we
0: have a review for it, which we'll talk about in the next section. So, good, mm-hmm. good. Awesome.
3: Dead yeah. mouse and the FIFA soundtrack. Everybody yeah, well,
0: knows. that was apparently quite popular for <laughs> our visitors as a news item. People
1: like Dead yeah? Mouse. People
0: yeah. People love the
2: Dead Mouse. A Canadian. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's... It's not the uh, Mal 5?
2: <laughs> no. That's how I was going to pronounce it.
1: I'm looking at it right now. pretty sure it's Dead Mal 5, guys. There's <laughs> a five in there. Yeah. I, I, but you're a fan, aren't
2: you, Alex? So this should be... You like uh, the, I you used to, like uh,
0: I mean, uh, a friend of mine actually introduced me to him way before he became as popular as he is now. Oh, hipster. So, yeah, that's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> Liked him before he was cool. <laughs> that's right.
0: And, um... <laughs> Actually I'm I've been playing FIFA this weekend here and uh, one of the things that always stood out about the FIFA series for me is the licensed soundtrack because they pick out some really uh really excellent tunes truly from all across the world you know in foreign languages and things like that and it's it's really good again this year so
3: yeah. I have to hand, hand that to FIFA although I usually don't go for sports game I think they've, FIFA is the perfect genre, I think, to make good use of a licensed soundtrack. It's aimed right at, that, uh, right at the correct demographic, I think. That's what a mean, a lot
2: you, of you, you have to cover a lot of ground with a soundtrack in a mainstream game like that, don't you?
0: With a global game like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: global mainstream, that kind of thing, yeah.
1: yeah. Is it, I mean, is it dominated kind of by U.S. tracks? No, like not nope, at all. Nope.
2: There's a block party, in there, isn't there? And they're uh, British... Yeah, in London.
0: they got oh. a couple of British uh, artists for sure, but it's really... Hadoken!
2: Aren't they British? And like a post-electronic hardcore band, I think, Hadoken.
0: I Maybe, I don't know. Are they? Part of the fun know. is I actually discovered a couple of bands through the FIFA soundtracks. Oh, so.
1: no, it's Any, always good.
0: Yeah. Anybody good? Uh, I don't remember now, but <laughs> they'll <don't> put me on <laughs> the spot like that. <laughs>
1: How much K-pop is there?
2: No, I know it's the answer. Give me
1: uh, a, on a scale of 1 to 10.
2: <laughs> no, there's none. Oh. Not yet. Oh. <laughs> Disappointing. Soon,
0: though. Anyways, moving on. Uh, the PlayStation Vita 3G version is finally coming to Canada, courtesy of Rogers, with a data plan ready to drain your wallet.
2: Yeah. The, <laughs> you, I've, I've spoke about it before. It, it makes me so mad.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, way back when you were uh, covering the launch of it for Canada. For- Assassin's Creed.
2: Oh, I'll I'll just use Google Maps to get to this location. Oh, I'll just hop on Twitter. I'll just have a look at some things that require internet. Five hundred quid later. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. So I, I I make I make it sure it's like on like airplane mode whenever I step foot out of the house where my Wi-Fi signal kind of goes because there's no way it, it's it's just incredibly expensive overseas yeah it's it's it's, it's my Canadian iPhone, thing it's my iPhone as well and um, I'm, I'm using like roaming but again it like I was on it in Egypt as well when I was there but it wasn't as expensive I got a message saying it's eight quid for a megabyte and I just lost it then I just thought no, I felt like burying my phone in the sand, <laughs> so it never like got signal again.
1: Yeah, Eight for a megabyte. Oh my god!
2: Well, that... yeah, it's it's
0: for Canadians basically. For me, uh, going to E3, uh, I definitely turn off my data because it's mm-hmm. like ten dollars per megabyte.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. But um, so it's only on. See, I can't imagine this in England. I thought if I, uh, I thought three G would just be three G. I guess I didn't know they have to have a specific like only one person data plan. But uh, well, perhaps yeah. that's just
0: Canada. Yeah, there's, they didn't say why it's taken so long to bring 3G to Canada compared to the States, which launched uh, alongside the Wi Fi version of the. Yeah,
2: because 4G is coming out, isn't it? Or isn't it out?
0: Well, in Canada, maybe someday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> One day.
0: <laughs> but yeah. So if you've been waiting for a 3G Vita in Canada, it's coming. Now's your chance.
2: Yeah, and speaking yeah. of pornage, let's go on to the pure pornage movie. Alex.
0: <laughs> well, they are um, not. Well, the concept is the same. They're kickstarting it, but they're doing it on a site called IndieGoGo, yeah, yeah, which is apparently friendlier than Kickstarter in terms of the fees that you have to pay and the creators. Yeah, and yeah, pure Pornage And
2: it's, can you explain to those who are the not fascination familiar
0: with the fascination of the internet back in 2006? It's a web series about uh, a gamer bunch of gamers basically. It's better than the guild. Yeah. So take that. And uh yeah, it's uh they, they eventually made it into uh Showtime on T V here in Canada huh? But they only ran for a season, so now they're coming kind of oh. back with a fan funded movie basically.
3: This is like a to clarify, a sitcom then for gamers? It's television. For video no, game It players. wasn't
0: it wasn't a sitcom. It was uh more like a reality type of s- shooting you know, follow people around with a camera.
1: What like, do they do? Just, like, yeah. walk around
3: and...
0: Well, you guys gotta watch it. It's awesome. It's just, it's cracking <laughs> a lot of jokes about games <clears throat> and the things that only you would understand, you know? It's That's not correct. like you'd see games on TV, uh, you know, that they make jokes about, oh, Call of Duty is terrible. You're well level
2: I'm... 70 paladin.
0: Yeah, instead, they make jokes about, you know, uh, things that not everybody probably knows about unless you're actually a gamer, you know? Like talk about WoW a lot, and they have the WoW addiction episode storyline and things like that. So, it's quite
2: entertaining. Uh, and it it's, seems uh, strange to put it from something that was a successful web series to make it onto TV. I yeah, think,
0: exactly. So they obviously were doing something right there.
2: No, but it seems a strange move because obviously TV is kind of it's it's, it's kind of dying. <laughs> but like the web and like YouTube and like, wow. online shows seem it's to kind be. Of, it's
0: kind of like pretty... a dream though for them, I guess. Oh yeah. To get on TV, right?
2: Yeah, I, I know it's a boon, but it's, it seems stranger now, isn't it? That's something to go from the internet to TV.
1: It's kind of, I think, one of those things where I think there's a there's an analogy to be made for internet is to TV as video games are to movies, you know, where it's like we we don't think of a, a video game as being legitimized really until suddenly, oh, they're going to make a movie out of Halo or they're going to make a movie out of Bioshock, and that's when it's really stepped up to like the big picture of the public oh. perception, you know? yeah, I hope so, not. Yeah, but then the movies are always terrible, and then that kind of marks the series. Down. Oh yeah, it's completely <laughs> illogical, you know. But I bet I bet there's the same thing for you know YouTube sensations and things like that. We're like, oh, we'll get a TV show, even though it's not going to help us at all.
3: Well, but, not, um, not to be yeah. uh, not to be the wet blanket with this uh, pure ponage, which I'm sure is a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> show. Careful. Uh, man. Uh, uh, but, but with a, with a budget goal achieved of seventy five thousand dollars, maybe we're stretching what we mean by movie a little. like how are they releasing this? uh well, well
4: if you read
0: it, they're going to be sending out you know DVDs depending on how much you pay for the original for web series, they you know they did a bunch of releases, so they'd released the all the episodes on DVD people could buy at the store, you know official soundtrack and shirts and things like that. They were rolling pretty officially. Okay, so that makes sense.
4: Guys, so they good good.
0: should have no problem doing that again for the movie, for sure.
1: No, I mean the original Clerks was made for like sixty thousand dollars, and it was awesome. So yeah, if you just use the budget well, you don't use they don't need a lot of CGI or uh, stuff like that. It should be okay. Yeah, everyone's just getting CDs, DVDs with the uh, jeweled cases and Sharpie markers writing the title on it. It's getting <laughs> mailed out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like carrier pigeon or something.
1: <laughs> no, they're actually very expensive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like Falcons delivering everyone's things Can't that should fun. be like one of the,
1: the stretch goals for the, the Kickstarter <laughs> if, you, 000,
2: if, you, if you donate a thousand dollars you get a Falcon <laughs> alright I think that's all the news then it is alright all the news
3: it's fit to print
2: yeah and now for the article recap first up we've got Transformers Fall of Cybertron which got an 85 Expendables 2, which got a magnificent 42. Guild Wars 2 got 86. Uh, UFC Undisputed 3 got 81. Resonance got a 85. Tekken Tag 2 got a 78. Rock Band Blitz got a 79. NHL 13 got a 76. And Borderlands 2 got a 81. And Trist got a 68. Now to people who are actually here to speak about them.
0: I'm here for Guild Wars 2. Sing that song, brother. Uh, Well, we talked about it a little bit already. It's pretty good as far as MMOs are concerned. It does a lot of streamlining and cutting out the middleman as far as getting quests and fetching quests and completing quests and dynamic events are in there. But uh, it doesn't quite revolutionize anything as far as the actual gameplay because you're still grinding quests and you're killing enemies and you're waiting for respawns and again like I said it does you know resource collection is uh, streamlined because it's instanced so you're not all fighting over the same piece of grass to collect some carrots it's your own piece of grass to collect carrots which is nice so
2: it's the hero's journey Alex yeah
0: (laughs) well that's the thing Um, you know the whole storyline is kind of it's good but it's not really it's very stretched out uh, because you talk about the dragons and the danger to the land, but you spend forty levels running errands for the queen or whatever, so it's it could have been better, but you know it's still pretty good. if you've never played MMOs, this is probably uh, as good place to start as any because it's done pretty much everything to make it as accessible as possible. but at the end of the day it's still an MMO so you gotta expect to uh, repeat things and run around a lot. Uh, Because teleportation costs money, and you have to have some patience still, for sure.
1: you think it's going to uh, have a long lifespan? Like, you think it's going to stay popular for a long time, like only the best MMOs do? Uh, Excellent question. I can't
0: say that I'm an MMO expert myself. (gasps) But, uh, yeah,
2: I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. You spoke about... um The story and the Elder Dragons thing, but I think that's that's surely that's a problem in every MMO that you can lose sight of the main storyline. Oh well, yeah. I mean filler in between.
0: In I mean, having said that, in other MMOs you don't really have much of a story anyway that you care about, so that's already better, you know, because you actually have something to follow and characters and things like that.
2: You think that'd be a more interesting thing if it was just you go out and be a hero, and then there were like several storyline quests. And you, you get to choose what kind of uh, thing... I know it'd probably take longer. And probably more uh, time intensive, but... Interesting.
0: Well, there is some uh, personal storyline variations, because you pick kind of your character's past history, and that kind of changes things up uh, depending on what story quest you do. And you get to choose which story quests you do, basically.
3: Quite a few people tell me that Guild Wars 2 has the edge of a World of Warcraft, and... But over and over again, the one example I've heard is the that the uh, quests structure that we mentioned, where you can join in essentially on events that are happening, and you, you know you don't need to throw together a party. Is there anything else that you feel is particularly strong in Guild Wars 2?
0: Uh, well, <clears throat> like I said, some of the stuff that they choose to do, like saves you from running to get quests and then finish quests to a certain NPC. That's all welcome and uh, instance nodes so you can gather things without worrying about other people stealing your stuff is always good
2: so it's streamlined yeah yeah that, and that's it
0: not having to share drops because things drop just for you you know, you know it's not like you're running to grab things before somebody else takes it from you
2: so there's lots of little things that make it a good yeah. game yeah but but nothing giant
0: yeah there's nothing uh, that uh, hasn't been done before elsewhere but it's still a unique combination
2: as far as MMOs are concerned
1: okay yeah. It's basically the opposite of Final Fantasy XIV.
2: <laughs> th- I think a lot of things are the opposite of that.
0: <laughs> Haven't played, so I don't know.
2: Don't. Okay. Don't, don't ever. Warning. <laughs> All right, and um, who else is there for review, then? I uh, well, <laughs> say, I did uh, Tech and Tag Tournament. Yeah, yeah, sure, we'll go in there.
1: Okay. Um, we'll just go into it, I guess, really briefly. So it got a, a 78 uh, uh pretty good game yeah you know if you're a long time tekken player you you know what the deal is it's it's, it's great i've always thought that the tag tournament uh, episodes, uh, uh versions of the games were the best ones i love like the tag mechanic bring a guy in kind of adds an extra layer of strategy to it so that's all there uh it looks great it's really pretty uh it's brutally hard online and uh it? it's, it's oh my god you know, it, it, I, I mentioned this in the review a bit, but, you know, I had always kind of played Tekken as just, like, uh, on the couch with friends, you know, like, multiplayer, and I never really took it online or anything like that. Uh, and so, you, you know, you kind of think that you're a hot shot because you can beat your three friends that don't know as many combos as you in the game. <laughs> and then uh, you go online, and I think my record right now is, like, uh, like 7 and 40-something, you know.
2: <laughs> like uh, It's bad. It's bad. Well, how, so, yeah. how good were so, you? I'm, I'm trying to, like like, find where I'd land in this. Uh, let's see I
1: mean like you know, do you have um, a couple of characters that like you know the full moveset from them
2: well that's the thing I, I used to be like really good at the game um, but then I never played Tekken 5 much online
0: but, but that's okay because we went to E3 and Pete just beat everybody at the Tekken Tech Tournament 2 demo I get, Yeah, <laughs> making, but, but... making Asian people
2: leave <laughs> in disappointment but, but <laughs> that, well, that, that, that's what I mean the, the thing is because I, I, basically there's a place in London called the Trocadero and they always have tech in there, and I've I've been there on a few occasions, and and that's where people like like pro circuit people go. So I've I've played a couple of them, and this used to be when I kind of wasn't as good, and they like they nailed me, but I've I've gotten better since. But I haven't played it online yet for a while, so.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The the online competition is 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 high caliber,
1: and yeah. uh, one of the major issues with the game was that the uh, the matchmaking is not really that good and it's kind of inscrutable it's really tough to tell how you're being matched up with opponents uh you know you can go through kind of like uh lobby style and try to pick out guys by setting up like you know you're you want a guys within three levels of you say like that and, and yeah. it'll set you up matches but uh the problem is that it picks those levels based on you get levels for individual characters so they move up like uh you know dan q like through kind of martial arts ranks. Yeah, but it's yeah. You know, you can have, it's a tag battle, so you can have one character where you, it's the first time you're using him online yeah. and then your backup character is the guy that you've been playing with for the past 12 years and you know <laughs> how to destroy people with him and it'll yeah. match you up against some poor newbie like me who has, you know, I'm that level with my guy who I'm good at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you get you get wrecked a lot,
2: um, and just kind of the nature of the game's mechanics. It's Tekken is very juggle heavy. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. You need to get, especially now that they've introduced the tag thing, and you've got like the uh, the bouncing stuff and the juggles. It really you can say goodbye to your life bar very quickly. You
1: know, it goes. You make one mistake, and then yeah, it's might as well as put the controller down and watch because as you're gonna soon be as going. you're
2: lifted into the air, good night. All right. Yeah. Excellent and yeah. uh it's a
1: little bit the weird thing about the game is that it doesn't really talk about that mechanic you know it, it introduces it says like oh you can juggle people but mm-hmm. you know there aren't a lot of comp they'll give you three token combos that you can juggle people with that no one will ever be able to do right away it yeah. doesn't really train a new player to do juggles and this it's the whole game it's a huge portion of it so mm-hmm. uh, i knocked it down a couple marks for that okay. but uh if you like tekken great game excellent and who else is it? sorry I was here for the uh, Borderlands 2 review. I don't know who else was.
3: Yeah, go ahead. I, was here for trist- I did Trist okay. review. Let's hear Borderlands 2 first because I'm excited about this.
1: Okay. All right. Well, uh first of all, it was a incredibly funny game. Definitely one of the funnier games I've played uh ever. The one the main antagonist, uh, Handsome Jack, he just has some of the funniest lines that just cracked me up. I'd be like I'd think about them the next day and I just start laughing. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's a pretty conservative sequel. It's a lot of fun. They did a better job with uh, enemy variety, so you're not just constantly fighting the same bandits and monsters over and over and over again. And the levels are a bit more varied. The quests are usually a bit more interesting than just kill everything. There's a lot of that, but sometimes you have to do other things as well. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, if you liked the first Borderlands, then for sure you're probably going to like the sequel as well. What class are you playing as? I had a couple of characters I did. One as the assassin, and one as the uh, soldier
2: guy with the turret. Axton, I think his name is. Yeah, Commando. Yeah. So what is Borderlands, then? Is it uh, like an open world? Really? <laughs> <MMO's> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I've, like, I've, I've seen it. I've, I've never really been that interested in it. It's yet. basically
1: like Diablo, but it's a first-person shooter with
2: it's a yeah, FPS RPG. Yeah, yeah, very I thought, loot heavy. I thought, yeah, I thought so. I've heard about all the weapons and stuff. I just—it's probably because I've been so uh, so choice with what I play at the moment. <laughs> it's a fury.
1: I would I, say that the uh, some of the role playing mechanics are still a bit underdeveloped. Like they touted these massive expanded skill trees, but most of the skills are just kind of like minor passive buffs, like increased. Maximum health or uh, increased shield regeneration, which was a bit disappointing. Mm.
3: How about the thrill of the much-touted uh, two billion guns or whatever in the game? I'm it's sure it's it wasn't eighty-seven.
1: It's eighty-seven bazillion guns. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Evan, from what geez. I can tell, that number is accurate. Uh, I I never found the same gun twice, but uh, even like crust quest reward weapons aren't the same. Like they'll be different for different people. But some of the guns are pretty crazy. Like, I found one, uh, like, there's a YouTube video online of this one gun that, instead of sounding like a gun, it sounds like a midget screaming. And I actually found that in-game, and it also makes you walk really slowly. I thought that was pretty funny.
3: Wow. Okay, I got a bit. I'm kind of impressed by that.
1: Yeah, I'd recommend it.
0: Okay, so I'm, I'm, I agree with everything you said, but I'm level 25, and I've barely unlocked any skills in the skill tree, uh, yes. because it seems like there's just not that many. Like, how long do we actually expect you to play the game for? Well, or
1: even to, or, if you level 50, you're only going to see, like, a relatively small number of the skills, just because there's so many of them.
0: Yeah, so you have to pretty much specialize, because I started out trying to, you know, put. A little bit of points here, a little bit there, but then I'm like, wow, I'm really barely making any progress in any of the trees. So it's
1: gonna... Yeah, you need to choose one tree and just stay with it. So, because yeah. I mean, not until you get to the bottom do the skills actually get interesting. Yeah, I've certainly not done that. My fault. <laughs> yeah. Easy to do. I've been playing as a, a Gunzerker, and I've got him oh, yes. to level 22, I think about now. And I, I've actually found that it. They're, they're, I mean,. It's the same sort of thing. You have to uh, build up into five of any category in the skill trees to move down to the next row to find, you know, pick amongst the more interesting stuff. But I'm like maybe three down, and I found some pretty interesting skills. So I've gotten a bunch of ones that boost the, uh, the gun zirking ability so uh, that when I kill a guy, I get better defense. Or when I have two of the same gun out, it's more accurate, or two different guns, and it's stronger. And uh, it's just turned him into a wrecking machine. Uh, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't the, tried that uh, character. That sounds like good times. It's perfectly. I mean, I, as a guy who always likes to, I you know, I like shotguns and stuff in multiplayer first-person shooters. So I like to be right up in you know close quarters with the enemy. And with the Gunzerker, you basically you push L two and then you just hold down both of the triggers and walk right up to enemies and they blow up in a second or two. Yeah, uh, you, I mean, you you die constantly, fun. but <laughs> you know you get the the second wind ability and you just keep going. It's, yeah, that's a great. It's mechanic. fun. I like it. it. It makes for some weird dynamics though where it's like you know you you fight these bosses and it's like they they send out these secondary characters to kind of like pester you and kind of they are not doing any damage but they're clearly there so that when you die you'll be able to kill them and come back yeah I noticed you that know? as well but it works yeah. instead of having to like uh, trek all the way back from the last uh, checkpoint it is but it's like it's like this new mechanic that you got to learn so whenever like the worst nightmare for me is to fight a tough enemy just by itself yeah. You know, I want there to be like a bunch of little obnoxious creatures that'll come out so that when they kill, you know, where they knock down my shield or my health, then it'll do that nova burst, kill the enemies, and give me an instant second wind, and bring me back into the fight. Yeah, uh, it's weird, but it, it's you know, I'm, I appreciate them kind of like you know flipping the convention on its head a little bit, making things a little different. Also, that's, that uh, that also has to do with the co-op where if you're uh, down, you can also get revived by a friend. So if you are fighting a tough enemy and you get down, then your friend can come revive you, but. They definitely threw in some of the weaker, uh, creatures during the boss fight so that, yeah, you can kill them and get the second blend. It's kinda, like, that's like the, the sign that this is a good game that people are enjoying because, like, I had a bunch of people that I was going to play with, but I couldn't play, like, the first day, so they all went out and leveled way past me, and now I can't catch up to them, so I'm just playing so again. <laughs> nah, that's sad. <laughs> I know, nobody loves- I'm, I'm lying about the whole thing, I just don't have any friends. <laughs>
3: Oh, well, took a review of Trist, but unfortunately there isn't too much to say. Yeah, Trist is an indie RTS that, you know, takes some of the graphics from StarCraft and some of the basic ideas from every other RTS you've ever played and doesn't quite implement them smoothly. That's sort of, yeah, all there is to say about it. The one flagship trait that Trist uh, was trying to push, which I think was a good idea, was the idea of uh, having maybe, let's see, I guess they had eight upgrades. Yeah, eight upgrades for every possible unit in your army. Uh, which you, But you can only upgrade each unit, you know, a limited number of times, two or three times, which in theory gives you infinite variety and unit type. That was a good idea. But other than that, the game was laggy. It was buggy. It didn't have much going as far as art style goes. The voice actors were way over the top. So I yeah, can't really recommend it, unfortunately.
1: What, what what RTS would you compare it to most? Would it be like a Starcraft or a uh, Company of Heroes? You know,
3: everyone was everyone's complaining and comparing it to Starcraft, but it's actually more like the Warhammer series. If you ever oh, yeah, played like that, yeah, like the Dawn
1: of War games. Yeah, I love those.
3: Yeah. yeah, a little a little more more like that. It has things like I mean, Star things like the fact that the resource is node is capture node based instead of okay. gather gather based, or that your units um, there's not a lot of well, there's a fair amount of micro control of your units going on, but there's more uh, happening on the battlefield. Things like you, your units need to gain ammo from kills, so you need to you know go out and kill some units and then gain your ammo from them. And this was sort of like in Dawn of War, where for example, you could uh, let's see if I remember, right, you could reinforce your units on the battlefield itself. You didn't have yeah. To, if you uh,
1: had a if you had like a uh, transport thingy, you could reinforce your units on the battlefield. But...
3: Right. Um, and StarCraft is the the thing that it stole from StarCraft is the is the basic visual style, okay? Uh, yeah, which just doesn't. Th- yeah, yeah there's just t- too many little things to complain uh, to complain about. And it, it makes you really appreciate actually what makes a great RTS strategy strategy game good. For example, <laughs> not to rel- on this, but um, the human faction interest has uh, maybe four or five infantry units and they all look roughly the same from far away it's very very difficult to pick out the unit that you want from a group if you you know want to separate your medics from your they call them mercs <laughs> but they're <laughs> marines yeah, if, you nice. want to, if you want to separate your medics from your marines it's very very difficult to do if you want to do spell casting with those units it's it's hard to pick them out and then you realize how brilliant, uh, you know, how ironed out something like StarCraft is, where, you know, your Marines look instantly different from your Marauders and look definitely different from your medics in single player and everything.
2: And the name, Evan, is that, <sighs> does that ring hollow or does it actually mean anything?
3: it is oh it's so sad it's absolutely hollow i was waiting (laughs) to find out what is you know what is trist what does it mean and it's you know it's just one of those cool words that uses y as a vowel yeah (laughs) that's that's all it does and i'm not the only reviewer to have pointed this out they have a good writer for the name and that's it It
1: sounds like it could be like some kind of medical condition like oh dude you have a trist on your forehead and it's gross
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, my God. god I was, I was like expecting some great intergalactic love story Yeah, that's what I was hoping for Like,
3: well, maybe your you know the human race kind of gets together with the alien race And they have a little tryst,
4: you know <laughs>
3: Wow A
2: fist tryst But, uh, yeah, it, from a novice like myself With like that kind of I like RTSs, but not, I've never really played those kinds It does, I think of StarCraft when I look at it But again, I'm no veteran of that Game,
3: gameplay, To their credit, the gameplay is decently different from StarCraft. But yeah, the visuals are close enough. Unfor- yeah, really, unfortunately, you start playing Trist for a little while and you think, wait, why am I not playing StarCraft? And <laughs> <laughs> you switch over.
0: I'm here for one more. Okay. And then Shell 13 was me as well.
2: It's Harry it then, Iceman.
0: Ah, Iceman. Well, there's no real hockey yet, so this might be your only option for now. And it's, uh, I can't say that it's all that great. And this has primarily to do with the technical issues as well as the design choices that they've made this year. Um, you know, compared to the previous innovations they call them, the skating system that is new this year basically makes things a lot more realistic. But it's not all that well fleshed out and it doesn't make for fun gameplay, I guess. It's a case where, well, let's make it as realistic as we can, but they couldn't because they're limited by the power of the engine um, or lack of polish or whatever it was. And so at the end of the day, it's yeah, it's more realistic, but it sacrifices some of the fun that you used to have uh, because the players now kind of move more slowly and they turn uh, quite wide. You can't, you know quickly get back to where you need to be if you get caught up ice and things like that.
2: So realism bugs it down.
0: Uh, yeah, especially in the implementation of this realism, which is not quite as polished as it could have been. Right. Um, yeah, and plus the other th- problem is the technical issues this year. <laughs> Their brand new mode called uh, GM Connected, which in theory allows over 700 players to play in the same mode kind of thing. You know, if you're basically recreating the NHL League with 30 teams and 30 managers and then every team has real players, there are people on it. But uh, it's extremely, extremely buggy and laggy just navigating those menus. I would even say that it's pretty much unplayable uh, at this point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately that's kind of their biggest new online mode and it's you, you can't really enjoy it right now.
2: All right. Can you skate? What? Can you skate? Who? You. In game? No, 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 I mean in real life. No. <laughs> You're Canadian and you can't skate? Nope. Can you Parab- skate, Tim? Yeah, Sacrilege.
1: I do. I haven't in a long time, but I know how.
2: Okay, well, first of all, I'm not Canadian. That's so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering about yes, the accident. I, I, I mean, I've tried it, and it's one of those things in life that I do not want to do again. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> no, because I was just, I was just, you know, when you do something and you really suck and you know that it's one of those things that you're just not willing to put enough time into to get better at. It was, and that was it. I was there and I fell on my ass so many times. I just thought this, I'm not having fun. This isn't for me. So I packed up my skates and I left.
3: Peter, what you need to do is meet a, um, if you'll pardon the phrase, skater
2: girl. All uh, right. And will she be good enough for me? <laughs> oh, ah.
3: That's not Perfect. the question. Perfect.
2: Sexiest thing ever to know a girl who can ice skate like anything. Yeah, but then I'd be there kind of flailing and falling in my face. While she's oh, like,
3: yeah, but talk about that. It'd be endearing.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, like, oh, cute, look,
3: he, you know, he's not afraid to show what a bungling idiot he is.
2: So I'll be like the British fumbling guy in the romantic comedy and she can be the pro athlete. Yeah, you will be Hugh Grant. And then we will meet because I've fallen through the ice she will rescue me
0: and that is your dating advice
2: and Uh... yeah and she'll skate all over my heart but in a a good way
3: (laughs) and then you'll need to call out the Zamboni
2: you've Zamboni'd my feelings for (laughs) you no that's how I can propose on the (laughs) Zamboni I may not be able to skate but I can clean up the mess that you make from skating oh god yeah, well then uh, I'll start penning that, and I'll be the lead role. Go so, to but... make it well. <laughs> I shall. All right then. Uh, I guess news around the industry is next.
3: Yeah, let's move on.
2: I'm ready. Okay. <laughs>
4: on. <laughs> hey.
2: On to news around the industry. Uh, we've got Steam Greenlight introducing fees to submit projects. We've got Ubisoft vows to change the PC DRM policy. Wii U prices and release date have been announced. We've got a new PS3 model. Uh, a couple of developers and lead writers, I believe, from BioWare have retired. We've got uh, StarCraft II possibly going FTP. And we've got Dishonored players having difficulty navigating the game. <laughs> Uh, I guess first would be Steam Greenlight. We've discussed this before. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it seems like Alex and Evan have been knocking heads on this. So, <laughs> Well, <laughs>
3: so, no. We agreed that we would wait and see what happened with it. And,
0: and we, see- we what we saw
3: was what I told you was going to happen. Was what spam. do you mean? We got ten, ten great spam. games out of it. But... But... We needed something to control the spam, and so we've introduced and the fee.
0: Again, it's a terrible idea, because it's just, no. It's just, why would you charge poor independent developers 400 bucks out of their pocket?
3: To keep the spam
1: away. Well, there's
0: better ways. Like, do some kind of account
1: authentication. Let's just get a cheaper fee, like $100, something more manageable.
0: Like, there's so many better ways to do it. Just do some kind of authentication or verification (laughs) process. Like, let's say you have to register with an email that is, like, you know, yourgame.com or something.
2: Okay. Not not hotmail.gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's say
0: you have to make an account for, you know, creator at mygame.com. Well,
2: you you can verify it with, like, credit card information or, you know, just something substantial, I guess
0: i don't know uh, otherwise they're just grabbing 100 bucks
2: yeah
1: i don't understand the hundred dollar amount I, I feel like ten dollars would accomplish exactly what they needed to do you know i mean that, that would cut down who would spam <laughs> if they're it's going to cost them 10 bucks every time Yeah. you know yeah so
0: there you go Evan. Yeah.
1: well yeah
3: strange... <laughs> i have to say i do agree with you a little bit here it does uh I question the efficacy of this, but at least you'll have to agree that this will
1: get rid of the problem. Yeah, and they're they're donating to charity too. All the money for it goes to um, uh, Child's Play. uh,
3: Wait, you're kidding me, right? No,
1: no, no. It it, it goes to Child's Play. I
3: I take it back. What the heck are we complaining about this for?
1: (laughs) Because what's the point? It's it's prohibitive for very very small developers. Yeah, which like what's the point? I think would be really eager to use Steam as as a platform. The point is uh, to
3: bring hope and joy to children's lives, Alex. Which apparently, I mean, uh, yeah, which apparently you don't care about. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't think it works that way if you're forced to pay money to a completely different like forced charity. The best yeah. charity. Forced <laughs>
3: charity and still charity.
4: Exactly. Evan, imagine
0: mark. if you had to pay twenty bucks to ride the subway, and that money went to charity. That's that's like involuntary <laughs> donations. <laughs> you're here, here to use the
4: tra- you,
0: you're here to use the transit system. You're not. I mean, yeah, you can donate on your own time, but that's not why you're paying money, right?
3: True, but I mean, <laughs> you would agree that putting a game up on Steam is a substantially more possible, profitable service than taking the subway. Well, um, I'm just
2: I... saying. I think I think it's got hints of like ebook publishing because to be honest that's free and a lot of crap goes out there um sure, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think if you imposed a fee then it would make people think a lot more about what they were going to um put up but to be honest there's people out there who will still put it up anyway it's even even if it's terrible even if it's rubbish because because they believe in it even though it may not be good <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, you, you raise a good point there, because having said that, I've bumped into the occasional Flash game, you know, that was sort th- tossed together by one guy or two guys, where they really thought it was good, and in some cases, it really was great. Heck, it, it, even as a weird example, the Slender game, that just, you know, went crazy, essentially just a mod, uh, that was probably tossed together so quickly, I'm not sure if they would think it's worth 400 bucks to put it up on Steam
2: Greenlight. Was it a good game, Slender? Yeah. yeah. Kinda of is. Ooh. It is
3: considering considering what it is. It's a you know it's a game that takes ten minutes to play and it goes viral. That's the idea. Is that everyone plays it and you play it
2: once and that's the, it. The thing is, that I found with that game. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the only reason people enjoy it is because they know the mythos and the air of what the you know slender is that their imagination is doing more of the work but in, in essence is that what makes it a good horror game is that you're doing most of the work yourself
1: you know i think it's actually a case of you, you know so what makes a game kind of scary like what makes good horror is a feeling of being unempowered yeah. you know and um what really works well with the slender games i mean you look at the look at the direction that resident evil is going now where you're at uh, global commando who has the ability to suplex zombies and you've got all these crazy weapons and biceps that are the size of mark mcguire's and all the horror goes out the window when that happens whereas in you know the the slender game uh you know you you can't really run like even your your running speed is kind of like a, a shuffling walk uh you've only got a flashlight that has limited batteries uh your depth of field is atrocious kind of just from the technical limitations of the game uh it actually kind of makes it kind of scary you know it's kind right. of neat that it works that way i think it, it's
3: definitely the gameplay that makes it scary not so much the mythos i'd never heard of slender before the slender game right but uh it's it, i want to say it's a uh, not a not a close cousin but let's say a friend of a grandchild of amnesia yeah that's what I'm uh, yeah as far as yeah it's the gameplay mechanics yeah <gasps> as nick, as nick said focused on disempowerment that mm-hmm. uh, that make it a good horror experience it Slender only is, Amnesia is a masterpiece at that. Slender is the cute little picture of that. Yeah. But, you know, it
1: works. I, I got the impression it's got kind of like a, a Minecraft thing going for where they're, they're gonna be kind of trying to subsequently, you know, improve on it and, and beef up the graphics and the presentation and uh, as it goes along, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that,
3: that could be. Slender is the sneezing panda video of, of <laughs> video games. You know, you'll, you'll play it once and you'll, and you'll be scared once, but, you know, it, and it only does one thing well. I wasn't scared watching the panda. What are you talking about? I
2: do <laughs> Are you kidding
3: me? That, that sneeze was so loud.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Uh, I guess, does anybody know about the Ubisoft policy? I've heard lots of things about that. I'm not as ingratiated with it. Not ingratiated, but knowledgeable. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't words. know too
1: much about it, but maybe someone else can fill in the blanks here. But it it, it comes on the heels of Ubisoft saying that what... Uh, 90% of PC players pirate, if I understood yeah. that correctly. So it's kind of like a, uh, a big 180 from them, you know, to, to rescind this policy. And good on them, I think. It, it's just. It's well, they, they keep saying that, uh, like they'll release a game with this crazy DRM, and then, uh, like a few months later, everyone will get angry about it and they'll remove it. And then the next game they release, they'll have the same DRM. They just don't learn from their mistakes. We're finally. It's dawning on them that yeah, maybe this DRM isn't the best idea. It's yeah, it's silliness. I, I get so tired of signing up for these you play and Origin and all these services where you know you put in a game and you just want to just just turn it on and play it. You know, don't want to. I don't have to make accounts for six different things just to to get online.
0: Yeah, I myself have been playing Ubisoft games on uh, console actually, so I haven't had to deal with their DRM too much recently, but uh, I can certainly vouch for the fact that back in the day trying to play Assassin's Creed 2, I think it was, was a pain. It
1: was, a, it it was, was really a annoying, yeah. It was a pain. but, but I mean, it, the game still got pirated as well, but it didn't well, even make of course. a difference. <laughs> yeah. It just punished people buying them. Yeah.
0: Best ways to do it. But uh, we'll see what happens. They're saying for sure it's not going to happen now, so the next big one is... Uh, Assassin's Creed Three, and then Far Cry Three, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay.
2: And uh, I guess on to the Wii U. Has anybody, you know, got their way to the ground with it?
0: Well, if you haven't noticed, we've uh, kind of spun up the Wii U section on the site. Yep. Which is looking kind of blank right now, but you know we'll. <laughs> Bayonet man, too is gonna be on it. Yeah, we'll fill it up as time goes on, and uh, we do have one uh, staff member that will be joining us later on, once the console actually launches, kind of as the Wii U guy, and of course anybody else who's already on staff, who's maybe How looking do... to pick up the console.
1: How does everyone think the Wii U is going to perform? To
3: tell yeah. the truth, I think it's a little too... a little too much, I want to say. A <laughs> <But laughs> too. Yeah, the the cost is a little too much, and also the the Wii U is trying to be a spectacular handheld gaming device. Don't get me wrong; it's not that I like things like uh, iPhones and iPads and everything, but I th- I kind of feel like the idea of a carry-around gaming device is, it, it it fits much more with the idea of casual games, you know, games that just pass the mm-hmm. time, rather than you, you know what I would rather have a cute game or a good game to pass the time on my phone than uh, a gaming system that will play great games that happens to be able to make phone calls, if you can see the difference. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. what? Well, hold on. They can't make phone calls. Okay, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They,
3: they can't make phone calls, but that happens to be able to get on the Internet, for example.
4: Yeah.
3: You know, I'd rather have my smartphone be able to play games than have my gaming thing be able to get on the internet
0: the thing that uh, me and pete argued about uh, back at e3 was the asymmetric gaming concept to me um i don't see the point so you have you know one guy sitting on the couch with this screen tablet playing something and the other four people are using the wii nunchucks playing as well but i mean what's the point like why would the guy want to sit on the couch and not be doing everything what everybody else is doing right
2: well yeah. I, well I, I think Alex. Well, what we have to do is we have to uh, put ourselves in the other person's shoes who's think, the other person in this scenario i don't know some, because <laughs> say, say if you've got friends around and like you've there's times when i've been where it's like it's a two-player game and you know winner stays on and the guy just sits there and we understand that not everyone gets to be the main character just at that moment, but if we swap over, then it's not that bad. Maybe some guy likes being the thing. Um, <laughs> he, I, he'd I, go whip uh, up a batch of cookies in the kitchen for crying out loud. Yeah, uh, I don't know, I guess it depends what it does and if somebody finds the fun in that. Maybe if it's well, you know, like. Like you have
0: in, in Rayman, for example, right? So the people with the controllers, normal ones, they'll be playing like a platformer, and the guy with a tablet is going to be doing some. You know, special platform moving for the
2: other players it, it, could, it could be refined better so they have a more active role instead of this kind of passive role. Well, but they do I, have an active role, but... Yeah, but not as active as the person with the nunchucks.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're more about manipulating the environment than actual being a player. That's the thing, I
1: guess, too. I They're definitely I... still trying to figure out how it works, but I, yeah. I think it does actually have a lot of potential. The asymmetric gameplay. I, I thought the guy, um, uh, one of the penny arcade guys uh, it was Mike at Penny Arcade. He, he volunteered the idea of uh, the person using the the gamepad, the tablet, as um, being a, a dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons, and him setting up the maps and the you know the whole the, the scenarios for everybody else that's playing with the controllers. You know, for like a, a Wii U Dungeons and Dragons game. I yeah, that's I see.
2: That, that that's that's what I mean when I talk about somebody's more passive maybe because somebody could be like a gm or something yeah where you know it kind of lends itself to the scenario where the person holding that is like a kind of the
1: all-powerful person going on in the game and they kind of control you know someone who likes to be the puppeteer who kind of orchestrates what goes on for everybody else you know funny you should say that
2: because that actually happened when we saw the lovely people doing dance dance didn't we with the Wii U thing? they were like making the people dance to the different songs and stuff so yeah yeah that's exactly what it lends itself to
1: I you know i like the I like the idea of like you know uh playing like Smash Brothers on it, and one person being a guy who just controls all the miscellaneous parts of the stage and he just kills everybody else you know uh you know you picture like playing with you know friends on the couch or something and doing something like that where like oh the loser has to get that thing and then they just spend the rest of the round trying to destroy <laughs> everybody else you know it it kind of could be pretty fun i you know I'm excited by the potential for it yeah. uh. For the Wii U itself, I don't know. It, what I've been saying the whole time about it is, you know, the so many of these games that they have pegged for the initial release are are games, you know, they Arkham City, they're you know, your, your Call of Duty, and it's like uh, they're they re-
2: stuff instead of making it unique. Is that what?
1: Yeah, and and so are people going to pay sixty dollars for one of these games when it's going to be out on Steam for? You know you can be able to buy Assassin's Creed for, you know, five dollars on there. <laughs> it's gonna come out on the Wii U and be sixty bucks. Yeah. It's it's I don't I don't know. I and for what? For the benefit of a couple of little gimmicky stuff that uh, things that
2: occur on the uh, the gamepad. I don't it's, know. It's it's flagship stuff. That that's supposed to bring people from the mainstream over, say, Look, we've got these mainstream games on it, so buy it and at least you've got something good and then just kind of wait around until we bring out more specific stuff. I guess,
3: and I have to hand it to have, some, that, that is a good business model. Yeah. In the gaming industry.
2: It is because you know a single game can launch a console. Just look at things like Halo, and things like that. Because, or even but,
3: uh, Sonic.
2: Yeah, back back in the day, and Mario. You know what I mean? That could. Well, I, I see that for Nintendo's first party stuff, but
1: for their third party things, are people are hardcore gamers going to go to the Wii U because it has Arkham City for forty dollars more expensive than on any other pra- platform?
2: Uh, no, you know? no, it'd have to be an exclusive, but it'd have to be a powerhouse of an exclusive. Me, we yeah, won't I mean, talk about this now, but will they Zelda. go over there?
1: No, I was gonna say that—that's what they need their, their Zelda and their Metroid for. You but know? that's, that's yeah. all they've got, though. They need.
0: That's why they get their Drumroll segue, please.
2: Bayonetta yes. two. Yeah. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> that's in rumors. Like a...
3: This is just hilarious.
1: Has like <laughs> everybody read up on the Bayonetta two stuff? It's
2: it, it's I, insane. I heard that they don't get it.
1: So so Bayonetta is is now going to be exclusive for for the Wii. I don't Nintendo hasn't hasn't bought them outright, but the, at least the second one's going to be on the platform exclusively, yeah. and the fans are in a uproar over it. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely nuts, like uh like oh you know i'm not gonna I'm done with the the series if it's going to this you know baby console you know that that kind of stuff uh and, I mean kind of disregarding the fact that if if Bandit Two wasn't gonna be on the Wii u, it wasn't gonna be on anything the, yeah. you know, the industry didn't make enough money to to really warrant a sequel, i think, in anyone's eyes. Uh, so it, it's Wii U or nothing, you know? Better to have it on something, I think. And, you know, if it does on Wii U, then maybe people will look at porting it over to the other systems. Yeah, yeah but Bay- Bayonetta as a, Wii, as, a, as a Wii U
3: exclusive kind of feels like, oh, boy, it, it, it kind of feels like a 300-themed roller coaster in Disneyland, you know? It's just, this doesn't feel like a good fit.
4: <laughs>
2: I, I I think they they need that more hardcore uh, kind of game on their side.
1: Yeah, I mean... So is
2: this the first step is trying to branch out and kind of say, look, we've got that too, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's what they need to do, because what people have been saying since um, the Wii is that you don't make games for serious gamers anymore. You just make casual stuff. And then, you know, the guys at Nintendo sit there on a giant throne just seeing all this money flowing in from the Wii and kind of like... Yeah, well, we're still, you know, making an absolute ton. <laughs> so, why? I,
3: well, What's I feel thing? like, yeah, I feel like the Wii has tried this before. I feel like Nintendo has... Mad know, thrown World, it out. was it? Yeah, well, Mad World, yeah, was uh, was a Wii. Um, and every now and then they'll come out with essentially a hardcore gamer game.
2: you few between.
3: To, yeah, it never seems to catch on. <laughs>
2: It's it's not like, I think it doesn't catch on. I think it's just that they try and play it so safe, it seems. You know, they'll bring up Barbie's Horse Adventures 5 easily because that makes pins to make and you can probably rake in a good profit. But if you're making a serious game, then it requires serious capital. And I think because it's on the Wii, people are afraid it's going to fail, so... Yeah, it's more of a risk. Yeah,
3: It just occurred to me actually that maybe the secret to, uh, maybe the secret for Nintendo to breaking into this market, I want to say is to aim for those games that could go either or. For example, the game at the top of my head that I think could, could work on a Wii is Team Fortress 2. You know, is it fun? Is it cute? Or is it, you know, a hardcore gamer? Well, it's sort of in the middle.
2: The thing is, they'd have, they'd have to. They need to make stuff exclusive. Like, let's say they brought out a Pokemon game for that Wii U. That thing'd sell through the roof. It, it'd sell so much, you know, you could jetson onto space with it, kind of thing. But that's not. That's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. it's. It certainly sell a lot of Wii U consoles. And that's the world we live in. And
0: carrying on with yeah. hardware news, uh, new PlayStation 3, slim, slim, or super slim, or Apple yep. slim, We're, size zero,
1: uh, super slim. <laughs>
0: Uh, was announced, and uh, it features a bigger hard drive, so it's a higher price. And interestingly enough, um, for Europe, they're releasing a model that has flash memory, so it's actually really cheap, and it kind of compares with the Xbox to 64 gig model.
1: I don't know why we're not getting that stuff in the States.
3: Uh, yeah, but the the article that the, yeah, the article linked to pointed out there that wouldn't it have been nicer to have just a cheaper PS3? Instead of a My slimmer group? one, uh, they did this with the play with the original PlayStation, didn't they? Or was it PlayStation Two? Where when they came out with a new version, it was sort of like, all right, we know that the next gen consoles are going to be coming in a year or two. Hey, here's the current gen console, except cheaper.
1: Be cheaper yeah. to make that way. We wouldn't have to put money into producing a new console design. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's their choice. It's strange choice. I... I mean, obviously, so they want to get a new SKU out there just to, you know, kind of compete at the holiday season. But I mean, you, you have to think that you know what's going to get consumers excited is just a lower price point. I mean, looking at that first before you even look at the features that come with it. Uh, I, I don't get the move myself. It's
3: too much. When film. you think about when you think about buying a PS3, yeah, is I mean. We're all excited to to have a new phone that's slimmer or a new laptop that's slimmer, but is your PS3, like, are you really so happy that now you finally have space for it, you know? Well,
2: I <laughs> yeah, know. that's true. People just went and bought a lot of Apple iPhone 5, so maybe it's the same kind of reasoning with that.
3: Maybe, yeah.
2: It, it's new. I must have it, you know I think? And be damned the price. But does the new PS3 come with a crappy Maps
1: program that doesn't get your location right?
2: <laughs> I <want> to know. <laughs> Possibly, Either. That's okay. right. I went there. Come at me, bros. <laughs> Crack it. Crack no, no. I'm behind you. Here. I'm
3: behind you, Nick. you you're. You speak the truth.
2: What about <laughs> Apple's self-sabotaging nature? They're, they're a weird company sometimes. H- have you guys
1: gotten the um, the Samsung commercials where they show the the Apple, but presumably Apple people online waiting for the new iPhone and it's just ripping them a new one? Yes, yeah. I thought
3: that was well played on their part. Very harsh, but well played. Those are
1: brutal. Those are brutal. I feel brutal. bad watching them. That's, you know, but I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, um, you, know, you you can always tell who's number one because the number one person in any industry never mentions the number two. You know, the number two always is nipping at the heels. Number one always, you know, so like, you know, Pepsi makes commercials about Coke. Coke doesn't make commercials about Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. They it's make spicy. commercials about Polar Well Who yeah, are their like, biggest that's,
3: customer? Uh, it's funny to see that reversal <laughs> now because it used to be Mac making the I'm a Mac commercials, and now those have mysteriously yep.
1: disappeared. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, Someone used to throw a, uh, a computer through a TV
2: with right. a giant projector. Am, am I old as that? <laughs> <laughs> Apple, too. That's what I'm waiting for. Bioware? Yeah,
0: Pete uh, unknowingly insulted the co-founders of Bioware as, I quote, some designer slash writer guys. Nice. I, was yeah,
2: being, I was being flippant. <laughs> it's the actually the two doctors,
0: yeah, the two doctors,
1: co-founders. Doctors, that's the, doctor, exactly the important bit. Yeah. You have to call the doctor. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> doctor. the doctor. thing for me, and I hope um, people don't find this insulting, I don't actually know what those guys did as far as innovation goes. Yeah, they're, they're co-founders, but compared to even somebody like uh, Will Wright or... You know, Peter Molyneux. Let's say, really? you know, I wouldn't say that those guys are names that ever rang out to me beyond, oh yeah, okay, they founded Bioware, and Bioware makes some good games back in the day. You know, well, I don't, yeah. I don't know if they are actually how involved they are with any of it, right?
4: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It seems I, to, what to me, what what's more telling about this, and maybe what what's interesting about it, isn't necessarily that you know what their role was within the company, but what they had to say about it when they left. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read the quote here, uh, from, um, Zestuk. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he says, uh, so after nearly 20 years working at Bioware, I've decided it's time to move on and pursue something new. This decision isn't without significant pain and regret, but it's also something I know I need to do for myself and my family. But he says, I've reached an unexpected point in my life where I no longer have the passion I once did for the company, for the games, for the challenge of creation. And wow. that, that says to me that there's something that they're doing either with, with Mass Effect or with or with uh, Dragon Age maybe where they're going in they, I I have to think it's from EA is pushing something that he doesn't like you know the with the direction of the series with their uh, as a company um I I'd be kind of worried I I think this is kind of telling I don't know what it means but it, it sounds kind of ominous
2: but things have underperformed or had a bad PR that's come out recently from their from their stable you know, Wait, do we think it's about reception to the Mass Effect three it's, ending? It's, I it's, heard it's, that
1: it was. It's like Mass it's Effect. It it's,
2: it's Dragon Age two. It's Knights of the Old Republic. It's these these games getting a lot of hype, and then people, the your consumer base is not pleased with them and it's like knocked back again and again I, maybe they think they can't do anything right so so you think they're reacting to the fans and, and to a lot of things maybe ea hamstrung them in some decisions they wanted to make or some choices i don't know it's it's speculation but those games perhaps weren't as strong as they could have been and who knows why that was
3: do you see him I, as you know. leaving and starting his own projects, or do you see oh, yeah. him as stopping video game work? No, and, no, no. no. He'll you know, go picking in. up watercolor or something.
2: He'll go, and uh, maybe both of them will, form their own studio and make the games they want, like they well, did uh, in the beginning. One of, one of them, I gather, is is
1: really on retiring. I think he's actually going to kind of spend some time with his family. Yeah. Um, the other one I'm expecting, I think it's Zestrick, I, I'm expecting to be back probably within a year or two. Probably, and yeah. He's the one who sounds more bitter about it. So uh, I I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you know, the, the cynic in me says that this is something about EA. Uh, you know, I'm I'm fully expecting like you know Dragon Age uh, three to come suck. out with. It's gonna have it's gonna have multiplayer with kill Whoa. streaks. You I'm know, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna break
2: down if that comes out. I really <laughs> love the first game. Lots
3: just... of achievements.
2: <sighs> yeah,
1: you know, I just have to think that's kind of the way it's going, and I I have to wonder if this is partly a
2: reaction to that. But uh, I don't, it's it's interesting. Because it, it was just announced a few—is uh, it about a week ago? Less than that? Dragon Age 3? Yeah, it's uh, just a, a week was and a half, two weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I wanted that,
1: to be good. The second one killed all of my passion for that series. It I, did. You know, guy, the first one was great, and the second one was just a—it's it's just a chore. I mean, it introduced a couple of nice things. I like the the, uh, the I like about the protagonist to speak. That's nice. I like the yeah. extra dialogue options, but. The, the reuse of environments was just uh, yes, oh, so bad. So bad. So
2: bad! But we have to move on from all that heartbreak and sorrow to uh, StarCraft and it going free-to-play.
3: Well, this is a rumor of a rumor, so definitely we won't put too much emphasis on this. But it was I think it was mentioned by one of the developers, and this big question mark kind of raised in everyone, like, we understand why all the MMORPGs are going free-to-play, but how do you go free to play with an RTS
1: exactly? Yeah, wait. I'm confused. Is there, is there a subscription for StarCraft though? No, it, you just buy so, the title. So what what does this even mean? Well,
3: I mean, you know, uh, what you call it, Team Fortress Two went free to play even though it's not subscription-based. The idea being you don't need to, yeah, you don't need to pay anything oh, so you to play don't, the game. You don't have
2: to buy the game, period. So you don't do need to buy the, the game, period.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Well, how would they but,
1: make money off of microtransactions?
2: You'd be surprised how much money people <laughs> make off my microtransactions. Oh, so in
1: this case, how would they do it? Like, where is the room for microtransactions within StarCraft 2?
0: No, they'll buy units.
1: Oh, you see, that's the thing. I, you can't, you I, I, can't do see, that. This. They, they, there's, there has to be no truth to this. I mean, it, they they spent years, and think of how long it took this game to come out when they were just working on balance issues, you know? Sure. They're not going to risk completely destroying that and flipping on its head by adding transactions into it anywhere.
3: And honestly, something like an RTS, I mean, it's one thing to add in, you know, a bajillion hats and reskins in, you know, Team Fortress 2, but uh, on something like StarCraft 2, where people were complaining just about the different Skins that the Thor's got in uh, with the special edition version. Like, if you started, yeah. you know, selling different skins for the units or something, or what map access, you know, for, for
1: a new price, I'm just,
3: yeah, I don't see what they can get away with.
1: I can't see it happening. But can I get cowboy hats for my zealots? <gasps> oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> it might be <laughs> worth it. It might be worth it yeah. just for that. It turns it right around.
2: Oh, <laughs> man. Um. OK, then. Um, and I guess the last one in news around the industry was we were talking about dishonoured players having difficulty with the game, particularly in the direction they had to take and what they were and were not allowed to do in the game. I guess I was the one who uh, discovered this. Well, not so much discovered as reposted. Discovery. Uh, but, yeah, I spoke about it before, saying that um, it was to do with, like, I think it was a guard by a door. And around areas that where an NPC says you can't go. So a player just turned around, um, taking their word as like kind of truth, um, because there wasn't anything in the game prompting them to explore. And I was just thinking about how it's. We kind of coddle our users now, particularly in uh, console games. Yeah, I thought that
1: this was kind of. It, you know, it was put out as like a, a possible negative about the game, but it, it kind of read more like a press release as a positive thing, you know, where I, the, the thing that people have been touting about Dishonored the entire since the game came out was about how you have so much player choice. You know, you right. can uh, approach every mission in a million different ways, now it's freeform, and that they've been marketing the game as that. So this is just kind of part and parcel of mm-hmm. that presentation. You can do whatever you want, it's it's freeform, and that that's going to be received as a positive almost universally. You know, uh, it's not something I'd be worried about with the game.
3: From the 10 minutes of it that I got to play at PAX, I realize now looking back that that was actually very evident in the game. We're so used to, even on games that tout, you know, being open world games and everything, we're so used to you walking into an alleyway and only having one door to go out of and walking out of that door. Uh, but, uh, but Dishonored, I guess, is very, very much. Hey, who knows? Maybe there is something upstairs in that building. Maybe you can, you know, cross the bridge or
2: whatever. Mm-hmm. So a choice can yeah. be overwhelming sometimes.
3: It's true. You see, we've. Oh, we we have a culture of being told what to do.
2: I know, man. 1984? <laughs> it's right on the corner. Which references back to that Apple II commercial. Oh, yeah, it's kind oh, of getting okay. scary. Oh.
1: Oh. It comes full circle.
2: <laughs> yeah. The thought police are coming.
1: <laughs> we'll be okay. I you know I, I I'm I'm very excited for Dishonored. I I have to think this is a positive about the game. I, you know what's going to be uh, interesting to see is whether or not the game kind of pushes you towards certain ways. You, you know like um say in Bioshock, you know you could uh, harvest the little sisters or you could uh, kind of. Uh, set them free so to speak but the game benefited you for both ways so it's like you just had to pick one and then go with that through the entire way or in uh mass effect where you could be you know a paragon or renegade but you you, it benefits you to stick to one the entire way through so what i want to know is in dishonored is there going to be incentive for you to, like, oh, I'm not going to kill somebody here. Now that means I'm not going to kill anybody for the rest of the game so I can get that ending or, you know, that benefit. Or is it going to be, I, you know, take each situation as it comes, like, you know, uh, complete the mission the way that just kind of, you know, spontaneously seems best to you. Yeah, like or, are you always,
4: style.
1: yeah or are you always going to be pushing for the no-kill way to beat the mission? Or are you always going to be pushing for the, you know, the violent solution to it? You know, I, I want it to be freeform. I want to. I want to play a game where I, each one. of am like, I don't know what to do here. You know, seems like the best option, and not really have an idea of it. You
3: know, this style of game, I, I would actually compare it more to uh, Deus Ex or maybe System Shock. Uh, it's so. This is so difficult to do well, but it's so beautiful when it, when it comes together. To be able to have absolute choice in your approach to level or gameplay, it, it's the rare. It's, there are so many games that pretend to be. Oh, you know, you could take this level as an action level, or you could take it as stealth. But and it's so difficult to actually pull that off, where you could, you know, there are
1: multiple approaches to
3: level. But I think Dishonored, I think, it might just have the makings.
1: You know what it's going to be. I don't play a game like this where it's like, oh, you know, in Metal Gear, you get benefits for uh, not killing anybody. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a, a stealthy playthrough. I'm not going to kill anybody. So I like I, I come into a zone and I, I look around and I use my binoculars and I scope out the whole situation. And, you know, it takes me an hour of just not moving out from underneath the thing I'm hiding underneath. And then i um, like, I finally have got a plan. I've got my route. I'm going to tranquilize this guy and I knock him out. I'm going to hide the body. I take two steps out from it. I get spotted by somebody immediately. And then everyone has to die. are <laughs> these? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, no one can see my face <laughs> just kill everyone that's, that's going to be dishonored for me except I'm
2: probably going to die trying <laughs> Okay, dokie okay. I think that's all the news around the industry moving on ok then on to our final section which is rumors and other coolness around the industry we've got uh, the kickstarter for the gaming tropes, tropes versus women We've also got new Kickstarter guidelines to go with that. And we have a couple of contests and just a little tidbit about the upcoming Sony event next week. So, on to the first part. We've uh, spoken of this before. Not only we've spoken about Kickstarter, but we've spoken about the Women in Tropes video game and the uh, lot of attention it received. So what are people's thoughts on that?
0: Well, Well, the story behind this story... There's the fact that uh,
2: the shadow behind the shadow of a ghost of a whisper in the night.
0: <laughs> she's got the money, but she's not doing anything with it that people wanted her to do
2: yet. Yet,
0: you should yet, But
2: well, she has spent some of it.
0: Well, yeah, no doubt on new shoes. I bet.
2: Oh, okay,
0: okay. I'll sit when
2: out go ahead. I'll, I'll, she's spent it on um, Some games. She um, and I think a few consoles as well, and even that came under some scrutiny. I think as well. People didn't
3: like the idea. She's got a picture on her blog right now, I think, of her and you know, like the 100 games that she bought so far, and people didn't like the idea of that.
1: As I understand it, this is a recipe for just ongoing internet drama. Uh, Yeah. I I like the idea of somebody doing a a Kickstarter to talk about you know uh, misogyny in games. I don't know that this is the person that really is most qualified to do it just from looking at, you know, I've, I've watched a few of her videos and things like that. And she, she raises some interesting points, but on the whole, it doesn't really come off as a really academic kind of pursuit. And I think that's what people want. And I think that's what people, I think, kind of shot from the hip. They saw someone was doing a Kickstarter for this. They assumed that it was going to be that kind of pursuit. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think this has a really kind of academic rigor to it. So what people who are kind of misogynistic and and you know um kind of are going to curse her out and, and make fun of her on the internet are going to lash out and pick at all of these you know imperfections in the way that she's pursuing this and people that are looking for a really academic kind of pursuit of uh, research and, into you know tropes and women in games aren't going to be satisfied by that either so I, I just see it as a recipe for drama and, and problems going forward i don't know what do you guys think
3: I'm I'm more on her side than against it. I I think for the most part people the the real issues that people are bringing up against her usually when I hear complaints I think they're not very valid. I kind of agree with you that I I don't agree with her approach to everything. But having said that, I, I, I no one else is doing this. You well, know, they
4: are. Else? Really? Yeah,
2: I think it is. There are a couple uh, of people who do it for free. Or name
4: one.
2: <laughs> um, there was I think one I don't know if it was troll the Sandry for games but there was also um a guy who's doing it on YouTube his videos uh, cuz in, in the thread I was reading about um it was it was on there and he was mentioned. Um but uh, people said his vid- videos weren't as good but he was he was doing it for free. Can you give me a But I think this is just it. I mean it's this
1: isn't something that can get analyzed really well on YouTube, you know. I think people want to see this really Delved into, like, you know, with some some heady academic thought and, well, you know, and you in interviews, as well. show, uh, interviews I, I feel like this needs to be,
2: you know, this is like a thesis, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's more than that, it's a PhD, because for a thesis, you really have to nail down for one, you have to make it really stringent, but this is like, you know, this is like a PhD art, this is a doctorate. Well,
4: uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I agree.
3: That's why. Well, that's kind of why I feel like Anita's. I want to say eighty percent there because I mean, first in the first place, that's what she did her thesis on—not on women in video games, but in women in media. Um, and
2: on what? It, just just women in media.
3: You know, it was uh, women in television, and there was a specific area of television that yeah. she was referencing. And I, I forget. But um, sorry, but yeah. But the point there is, uh, what. I want to say, like, how much more academic do you want?
2: <laughs> I think um, what well, Isis was saying was by the approach that she'd shown on her YouTube videos. Um, I think ba- uh, Bayonetta, yeah. Bayonetta was one of the ones that got a lot of flack because um, did it turn out she didn't uh, play the game or wasn't particularly knowledgeable about it, what she was, uh, the point she was bringing up? Yeah, I haven't played Bayonetta,
1: so I, I can't speak to that one, but I know that people complain that it's sure that she didn't play the game. Yeah,
3: people people... Uh, uh, I think people complain about her game. approach to the tone of the game.
2: Uh-huh. I, th- I think it's got its tongue severely lodged in its cheek, um, and it has that kind of... Um, that Japanese gaze on things, but I, I don't think it's... I, don't, I didn't find it offensive or anything, I don't think. That's oh, the, yeah, that's
3: the big, was That was the big complaint that most people brought up, was they felt Bayonetta is obviously tongue-in-cheek, and so to attack it, is this out of
2: place? Um, I think it knows what it is, and it does it on purpose. I think, uh, I think if I think if you're in a pl- if you're in a place where you think a woman is a pair of uh, breasts, and that's about it, then you know bayonet is not going to change your mind much. It's only going to reaffirm your views. But if you know that people are people, um, then you can just realise that it's it's just a game
1: was yeah. so to me. it's about what what the designer's intent was and i got into a a, a little argument with uh uh, uh freelancer uh, Leigh alexander about this on twitter um I, I had said that to me you know so Bayonetta's is camp you know it's it's like a cheesy robert rodriguez kind of yeah you know portrayal but it, and i said i to me it, it and i haven't played the game so i i you know take this with a cap, that caveat but uh to me it kind of appeared like it was uh, misogyny or objectifying women masquerading as camp. Like, you know, like, oh, it's so much so that it doesn't seem like it's serious. But if you looked at the marketing for the game, it was really yeah. play this game because there is a woman who's mostly naked in it. So it was kind of, it was banking on that. It was kind of relying on that as part of its marketing technique. Technique. So to me, that's not camp. That's saying play this game for the sexy.
2: Oh, yeah, I think uh, there is a lot of, like, you know, suggestive shots. And particularly, you know, if you're walking around in a skin tight Lycra suit, um, for the majority of the game, then no, well, uh, uh, you know. suit is
1: made a pair. You have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is,
2: isn't it? If you don't know the game. You're not qualified to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Because the thing is, when I played it and went through it, I I kind of got. Um, but so, but is it is an uh, example of
1: of women being objectified. I I have to say it is. You know, I mean, like had said, was that, you know all camp is is knowingly participatory. Uh, objectification so because it's it's done with a wink of the eye that it's okay and I I, just, I was like well but is everyone playing it for that I've seen the internet comments. I know that there are people that are playing this because they think oh, yeah. it's hot you know
2: it's the, it's the kind of person that you know would pause it in a suggestive show I know it, I think it's kind of like the people who complain there's so much of that on the internet like uh,
1: don't don't do an image search, but if you did an image search, you would find that
2: that's what a lot of people do with the game. Yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not speaking from experience here, I didn't <laughs> like I paused on my HD screen, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is
3: uh probably the, well the biggest beef I have with Anita really is that I think I think addressing ideas like feminism in video games or representation of minority in video games it it's very difficult to do that on a game-by-game basis, just like in other media. It's very hard to look at a single game because, you know, because there are subjective experiences. To look at a single game and say, yes, this is an example of, you know, sexism, or yes, this is an example of misogyny. Um, but it's much more objective to look at games as a whole. You know, for you know, for example, to count up how many games have a woman as a main character, how many games have two women who talk to each other, uh, and that kind of thing w- would be an interesting field of study. Yeah, like I like I like the Bechdel test. And, you know, a lot of great movies fail the Bechdel test, but the point of the Bechdel test is to say, hey, you know, nine out of ten games fail
1: it or whatever. You know. So what can you fill me in on that? I'm not actually familiar with that. Oh.
3: Um, the Bechdel test is a uh, yeah. It's, it's supposed to used to test groups of groups of media like films or books or video games. Uh, the it, it's a very simple test. You pass if you have two females who are named and who talk to each other about something other than men anywhere
2: in your fiction. <laughs> at all. The, the thing is, I, I started thinking about that with my work. I was like thinking, you know, have, have I done that? Have I? Well, I guess if if you've got a, you know a male like protagonist, then I know, like I don't think it's like that. um, I don't. I don't want to say it's not a big deal because I think if characters are well represented, then it doesn't really matter what they may talk about as long as they're you know portrayed as people.
3: I kind of agree with you, but at the same time, it should be like I think. I think it is worrisome that almost every single game has two men who talk to each other about something other than women, but it's the rare game that has two women talking to each other about something other than man.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, so yeah,
1: it strikes me as something where it's not damning in any individual game that they don't do this, but when
2: you look across the full spectrum of them, that none exactly. of them do it, you start to realize a pattern. Yeah. I, I, I think you can't force it, though. I don't know. I can't imagine it being forced. I think, you know, it just... You've got characters, and then what happens kind of happens.
3: Right. Uh, great. Well, what was I thinking? Valve... Uh... Is actually fairly fairly good at this. Sorry, I can't I can't believe we brought this up again. Way off topic. We could do a whole show on this, but uh, I was reading on a website about this, and Valve has interesting examples because Half Life 2 passes, and it's it passes very very naturally. You don't need to force the girl characters to talk. It's just hey, you had a couple girl characters in Half Life 2. They talked to each other. Ta da! We we win. You know that's ta da! It it, it it works. I'm sure
0: that also clarify uh, uh,
3: that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I,
0: I, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm playing Mirror's Edge, and uh, they're having the same sort of thing. You know, the the main character speaks with the other character Celeste in it about just you know the details of the plot and what's going on, and you kind of realize as it's happening, like, wow, this doesn't really occur that often. Hmm. You know, where two female characters converse about what's going on in the game. Yeah.
3: Uh, not to for- play the segue card, but do it. One uh, I was kind of disappointed with the, the Kickstarter guidelines. I kind of felt like the moral of the story... The one area where I, I do have major reservations with uh, Anita Sarkeesian's uh, upcoming video series and other Kickstarter projects' successes is when they shoot way over their stated goal. And I was hoping that Kickstarter would implement something to rein in on that a little, you know, maybe put a cap on... How much you can gain if your Kickstarter project goes viral?
2: Yeah, but re- remember that Kickstarter gets a portion of that money, and you're only a fool would say we're gonna make less money.
3: Well, I was hoping I was hoping they would
2: be nice. Corporations <laughs> aren't nice, Evan. This isn't how the world <laughs> works.
3: Corporations may be people, but they're not nice people. Mm. See, I guess I guess that's the downside. Is that yeah, they're they're built off making money like that. But the new Kickstarter guidelines, at least they are heading roughly in the right direction, you know. But I don't. I don't anymore.
2: think they should implement them. I don't. I think they should say, I think people should just be more cautious with the money and think about their investment they're it's, making. It's, so
0: it's going to be a few months, but I mean, eventually, when some of these huge, huge projects actually become due, and I bet you some of them are not going to make it, then we'll see the lawsuits come through. Now that Kickstarter is a thing, and these you know projects are getting tons of money, and then once they're actually becoming or supposed to be releasing, rather, I don't know. Obviously, how many are actually saying, "Yeah, we'll
2: release what you pay us for in a year or whatever." But, but I don't think they can do that, though. I don't think they can sue people for not delivering because they're delivering. They're not. It's just oh, they'll find the a investment. way. They'll
0: find. They'll, yeah, they'll,
2: they'll find a way. The creators they're, they're, or the casters shove someone out of a lot of money.
0: They'll. To either the Kickstarter itself or the people making the project, or
2: whichever.
3: Yeah, this oh. may be. In fact, I, I guarantee this is a protection on the part of Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, yeah, they need to cover their backsides.
3: Yeah, you know, they've got to be able to point and say, "Look, our official rules, you know, talk our mm, tell you to be prepared
2: for this." So. Yeah, and because who who doesn't know that? Who doesn't know that you're making an investment in something that's not exactly tangible at the moment or realized? That's Everybody. not always going to work out.
3: Ah, uh, Peter, 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 you need to understand, in American courts, common
2: sense does not apply. Then can we, can we can, like we were saying before, can I just be elected ruler of the world, and then I'll just sort all this out in, like, an afternoon? I'd vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, hey, so i uh, two, two votes and answer about, what, you're each worth 3.57, 3.5 billion people, Oh, uh, Well, you don't realize that both me and Evan are on the Electoral College, so <laughs> you don't <you're> need to <laughs> nice you got Rhode Island behind you already all right well, I think call it Damon okay and I guess then we're on to our contest then if anybody has anything else to say about Kickstarter Tim nope. we lost Tim don't worry he's in our thoughts and actually can we, can we go back
1: to Kickstarter for a second I, I'm curious has anyone here backed any Kickstarters nope
2: no. I oh I backed a couple Actually, I, I will be back in Broken Sword. I'm saying that now. I will be back in Broken Sword. So what are you going to get for your purchase on Kickstarter? Uh, I think I think copy of the game. I think I'll sling about 20 to 40 quid in for it. Because that's what I mean. It was a great game, so I'd want to see it realized. Yeah, And I recognize that if it doesn't come through, then it doesn't come through. And I'll go and burn down their studio. <laughs> <laughs> and reap my vengeance.
3: You made me love again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. I will just be beating my chest in the rain and ripping my shirt open. I uh, just hold hold a boombox up outside of their studio. Yeah, yeah. I'll okay, get you know, kind of as many '80s kind of resolutions to film as I can. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And I'll throw my fist in the air and freeze frame. Well, uh, don't you forget about me, please. Yep,
1: yep. I, you know, honestly, I would Kickstarter that. <laughs> just you doing that motion. All right, so, wait, wait, Evan, did you say that you had a couple?
3: Uh, Let's see. I backed Fast and White, which I thought was a great investment. I think ten or fifteen bucks, and got a copy early. It was great. Excellent. Uh, I backed um, a game store in my area, actually a games cafe, uh, which hasn't paid off yet, but we'll see. And then a friend of mine uh, does an online comic, and she wanted to print up books of it, and so I backed that, and getting my copy of the book. Granted, that one is more like, hey, you're my friend. You know, I don't. (laughs) I don't think your comic's all that great, but I'll pay. You know. you know, fifteen bucks for a book. Sure. You're pitying her effort.
1: You know, well, kind of these kinds of
4: things.
3: I uh, know
1: with the the game store one. No, I know that on Kickstarter it has to be a creative endeavor. So how did that actually? Uh, how how did they, that fall under the rules? They uh, wanted
3: to let's see. Here, they wanted to create a unique games cafe mix. Like it was a mix of uh, a game shop and like not a video game shop. You know, but a social games cafe. Cafe. Um, for some reason that qualified. Don't don't ask me how. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm uh, I'm reporting them tomorrow.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: do, do so, I think. and then. <laughs> no, no, very cool. No, yeah, I, I haven't actually done it myself. I, I just I can't pay for something that's gonna I'm gonna get the return on six months or a yeah. month, you know, a year down the road. Uh, that's why I don't believe in this whole investor. investment
2: thing. Yeah, no, not not for me, not for me. I keep my money under the couch. Nice. Well, okay, then we're mm-hmm. off to, off to next house, then do some couch surfing. <laughs> Contest them.
0: Yes, so you don't have to couch-surf at Nick's house, you can just enter contests on our website. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And you could have won yourself a copy of Joe Danger 2 for Xbox 360, or the big one, Borderlands 2 for PC. So congrats to those people that won that.
2: Excellent, and just a bit of uh, preview information, I'll be at PlayStation Canada's preview event for the winter next week, and there'll be a report about that soon. And I believe that's uh, it for the new Game Netcast today. Mm-hmm. About the question. Oh okay, yeah, the question of the episode. Um, it was a little bit of background on our gaming handles. So we'll start off with the man in charge, Alex. What's your gaming handle? What? What's your gaming handle? Oh, I have a bunch. Well, okay, that's... give us the one you use most. Most
0: popular one. Yeah. Uh, well, the one that I used for a long time, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Was uh the PC gamer because
2: You <laughs> like that let me use my powers of production here. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a PC. Uh, games? Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah no. It was it was very unoriginal. Uh, but surprisingly <laughs> enough it was
2: never taken, so all oh, right. Uh, <laughs> that's you, that's, that's, you were so un- unoriginal. You were original. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> to your credit, if I was playing against someone named that on the server, I would assume that they were all kinds of pro. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that's serious. <laughs> name like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Actually, the most common thing I got was, "Oh, you right for the PC Gaming Magazine?" No. <laughs> <laughs> now, no. now
2: give me free loot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I get S Evan next. Oh, uh,
3: let's see. My two most uh, my two most common ones came from come from the same source. Uh, I believe on New Game Network, I'm Fiverr Beyond.
2: Yeah, and I was winded about
3: that. Here I'm Hazel Ghost. Yeah, haven't we already talked about this? These are both from anybody. Anybody know? No,
0: we talked about your logo. We didn't talk about your names.
3: Well, my logo is from the same place. Ah, uh, Watership Sit Down. down. Yeah, 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 one of the best. Water... Ball... Oh my Water... God. Best books of the English language, but I understand why most people don't. I don't know why I love this book. And I can't what what is a
2: Fiverr Beyond.
3: Fiverr Beyond is one of the titles of the chapters. Fiverr is the name of a character, mm-hmm. and Fiverr Beyond is the chapter where he travels into the other world, and the that, spiritual
2: world. So that resonates with you, doesn't?
3: It? Yeah, it does. Oh. I like to. It, for me, it's a nice center. It's a nice center point of the book. It represents sort of the transition from our world to the next mystery. You know, beyond... Farber Beyond, yeah. What a great oh, name. Cool. And then uh, Hazel Ghost is uh, the main character of the novel. Hazel, at the very end of the last chapter, dies... All right, Spoiler. Becomes, becomes a ghost. <laughs> well done, <Evan. laughs> Sorry, you know, uh, you had your chance. First 27 years of your life or whatever. <laughs> you should have read this book. I'm, I'm, I'm 27 Barthes. now. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and you're supposed to read sister. since you're a child, damn it. Oh, when, uh, it's
1: you ready for this? I was more of a Redwall guy. Dude, Evan, did you read the the Redwall series? You know, Bright it's
3: what call it? My the way I got into uh, Watership Down was my I was hooked on Redwall, and my dad said, "Talking animals, eh? You should try Watership Down." And I picked it up, hoping it would be roughly the same, and being so shocked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so here you like animals that brutalize each other in horrible, uh, horror. I uh, oh got, I can't speak anymore. Uh, horrible. Uh, brutal Wars. Yeah. Great,
3: great Scott, Nick. Oh my gosh, I just realized you're right. I loved Animal Farm. What's wrong <laughs> with me?
1: Snowball. Anyway, that's your other handle.
3: <laughs> anyway, that's my uh, that's where my handles come from. Uh, very nice.
1: And Nick? Uh, so mine is uh, Edge11SS. And it's uh, like, uh, people always assume it's, I guess there's a character named Edge in... Uh, one of yeah. the older Final
2: Fantasies, six, yeah. five uh, RPG. I think it was um, Edge was in. Oh, it's like oh, dun, well, dun, no, dun, dun, no, no dun, Fantasy Star. Dun, 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 no, wait. Is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's an RPG name,
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty common one actually. But um, I actually got it from Suicoden Three. Uh oh, yeah. there's yeah, one of one of the one hundred and. Million stars. One of the characters was named Edge. Um, I thought he looked cool at the time when I was like twelve, and uh, made <laughs> it my yeah yeah it was awesome. He had a sword that talked. Um, I made it my uh, aim screen name and uh, stuck with that for forever. Uh, Eleven is lucky number and uh, SS was for San Antonio Spurs, not for any weird Nazi undertones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I was wishing, and I was just going to invite you to the Iron Brotherhood. <laughs> now I take back my offer.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I wish I, I, I'd love to change it because I've been stuck with it since forever, but PSN does not let you change your handle, so it's been that for
2: forever. All right. <laughs> I guess I'm lost then. Uh, the first one, which was when I was very young, it's from Final Fantasy VII, you know, the Attack Megaflare. Wait, was, what? what is the handle? It was Megaflare. That was ages ago. But... The thing is, it was at the time when, say, you had, like, MySpace and stuff, you had to be, you have to put, like, XX at the beginning and the start of things because all names were taken. Oh, yeah. I wasn't proud of myself. Still not proud of myself today. MySpace is still active. Don't know what song's on there. <laughs> I've not, not touched it for four years. Still going strong. And uh, the newest one is uh, Necro. And nobody has taken that in hardly anything. I could have it on my Xbox. I could have it on my... PS2, pretty much every um, PS3, sorry, every forum I go into, or it's like nobody's taken that name. It's from a. Um, if you played Final Fantasy XII, anyway. Oh
1: yeah, it's one of the locations in it. Yeah, right?
2: yeah, yeah you, yeah. you go to the Necropolis, which ah, is uh, right, yeah. where I got it from. People seem to think when I tell them the screen name that I like, you know, having romantic relations with corpses. But I have to tell well, them that it's, it's <laughs> not. It's not the same word.
4: Yeah, yeah
2: that's no. close enough. The I mean, you answer? know. No, no, no! It's uh, necrophilia because the the, the ne- necromancer is uh, like people who like use dead arts and stuff. Yeah. What? Uh, no, you...
0: it's a class in MMO.
2: Yeah, no, dude. But I, I was talking about fondling a corpse. No, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> trying to steer you away from that, quite obviously. <laughs> Too late, man. <laughs> I'm riding this train to the ground. You'll not get saved. <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> yeah, and that's where that comes from. I don't know, a little a little insight to the crew there.
0: Unfortunately, like, like, Tim had dropped off because he has technical issues
2: so we'll yeah. never we'll
0: never know or we can bug we'll
2: but again that only enhances the enigma that is Tim and to be honest I don't want to know I want the mystery <laughs> to evolve sure. Let, let's assume that he was named after Tim from Monty Python yes we'll go with that
1: There's
3: some who call him <laughs>
2: Tim <laughs> works for me okay then I guess we're signing off so excellent it, it's goodbye from me
3: Farewell, friends out there
1: in the dark.
2: And me, goodbye. Adios, folks.
1: Goodbye.
0: Please remember to visit www.newgamenetwork.com for the latest and greatest video game news and reviews.